Praise the Lord. If you're ready, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. So it's probably got a few extra words in it uh, if you don't have an Amplified. But it'll bring the meaning out. Are you ready? All right. Strip yourselves of your former nature, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new nature created in God's image in true righteousness and holiness. Again, let me just point out to you, he's, he's talking about two actions. Strip off that old nature that, that drove those old behaviors that were corrupt. And he says, put on the new nature created in Jesus Christ, the image of God, by being constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let me say it one more time. Constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. I want to preach this morning to you about being, uh, building rather, a strong connection. Building a strong connection. And obviously I'm talking about building a strong connection with Jesus. So let's talk for a moment about your connection to Jesus. Think about it like this. Your connection to Jesus needs to be strong on both ends. His end and your end. If there's a connection, a oneness between you and Jesus, there's His part and there's your part. There's his end of the connection and there's your end. And so his end of the connection is absolutely strong. And if I could say this, I bet I'd get a complete agreement from you that Jesus' connection to us is 100% giving. For God so loved the world, he gave. Good. God gave. So Jesus is leaning in to you through that door. If you think of your connection to the Lord as having a door, Jesus is leaning through that door constantly in the mode of giving. He is always giving to us. However, on our end of the connection, if Jesus is the giver, what are we? We are the, somebody said the taker. I like that. that that's a like, that is a very proactive giving. That's right. Take it. I'll take that. Praise the Lord. And, but that's really what it comes down to. Our end of this connection is activated by receiving. And so our part of this relationship, our part of the connection is the variable. Are we receiving what Jesus is giving? And if we don't take, and I like what Millie said, take. If we don't take possession of what he's receiving, He's given it, but do we have it? You know, I don't want to go through life always having to confess that I have it by faith. I want to possess the blessings of God. I don't just want them to be a faith confession. I want them to be a reality in my life. And if you would just remember that word, because we're going to talk about it in a moment, that word reality. We want it to be a reality, an actuality, if you will, in our life. So... The idea that Jesus is always faithful on his end of the connection, but are we, and I don't lift this thought before you in a condemning way, just, just academically so you could think about it. Are we faithful to receive? He's always faithful to give. Are we receiving? 
And with that thought in mind, I want to share with you 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. That verse describes our connection with Jesus. If we are not open and pursuing and receiving, if we are not faithful to receive, if we are not accessing the connection, the Lord doesn't stop being faithful. He is always pressing in towards us because He cannot deny Himself. It is His very nature to give. When He came into the world, He never stopped coming. When He left, He never stopped coming. He left the Holy Spirit and He's coming back. And so He is always coming to us. Can you say praise the Lord? Probably one of the best analogies of this I've ever come across, and it was many, many years ago, and I just haven't found a better one, is that of the radio receiver. Those radio waves are broadcast, but if you don't turn the radio on first, and then secondly, dial it in, it's amazing that those words can be all around us. But if you don't turn that radio on, and if you don't dial into the right frequency, you're not receiving. So the Lord is here, His Word is here, His Spirit lives within us, but are we receiving what He is saying? And that really is the crux of this message concerning. Because God wants you to receive. First of all, your radio needs to be turned on. If you're not praying... If you're not in the Word, your radio's not turned on. Now, you can do that praying if you're driving in your car, if you're working. You can do that praying. You can have that radio on, if you will, um, no matter what you're doing all the time. Even if you're watching TV, you need to watch it with the radio on. Especially some of the stuff that we're watching on TV. You need to watch it with the radio on. And, but we also need to think, am I dialed in? You know, if you're not dialed in, have you ever dialed into a station and you get close to it and it's all garbled and you start turning that dial to fine tune and then all of a sudden you get it, you just have to slight, you just real, and then you actually end up turning the radio to the left or the right just so that you could pick that thing up. But then, boom, you hit that, that point where the signal makes a connection and you hear it clearly. God wants you to hear what He is saying in your life clearly. So you need to be listening, you need to be seeking, you need to be asking, and you also need to have your receiver dialed in. Now, let me talk for a few minutes about connections in life because we're talking about being connected to Jesus. And I want you to think about how we are connected not only to the Lord, but how we're connected to everything in life that we have some kind of a relationship with. And, and the first thing I would say to you is that the strength of our connections to everything in life, including the Lord, are determined by their intensity in our thought life. You are no more intensely connected to anything, including the Lord, then the intensity of the thoughts of those things are in your mind. It is the intensity of your thoughts about anything that 
govern your connection to that thing. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. Many of you are married and have marriage certificates, but there are days when that is not dialed in too good. Best way I could put it. It's garbled. May not even be on. You know what, how married people talk sometimes when nobody's around. Are you listening to me? I feel like I'm talking to myself. I'm, I'm imitating husbands and wives. Yeah. I feel like I'm talking to myself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, married people know all about connection. Your connections to everything, including your connection to the Lord, are only as good as your thought life about that thing. Your mind really regulates how connected to anything you are. The more, more you think about anything, the stronger the connection between you and that thing. Whether it's a practice, a habit, a person, or the Lord himself. Out of sight, out of mind, they say. Or out of, yeah. <laughs> Let me go on and say it to you a couple of different ways just to sort of fine-tune. Because I need you on board before we take the next step. Regardless, by the way, regardless of what is actually real or true, it's actually your most frequent and intense thoughts that form your own concept of reality. People believe things that are not true. They believe things that are not real, but they're real to them because it's what they intensely think about. And by the way, that's why psychiatrists and psychologists and counselors make a whole pile of money. It's because people believe things that are either not true or they're not real. But the intensity of, of their thoughts about those things govern what is real to them. So reality to you may not be what's actually real, what's actually authorized, or what's true, but your thoughts are locked onto that thing, and so they're real to you. The same, and by the way, this works both for good and for evil. It works for what's right, and it works for what's wrong. So if you can understand that, I want you to shift your thinking about this to the Lord. Jesus is real, and Jesus is good, and Jesus is true. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the fact is that he's no more real to you then you are in your mind dialed in to His Word and what His Word says about Him. Can you say praise the, Lord? praise the Lord? You see, if your mind is strongly influenced by the world but only possesses a shallow knowledge of God's Word, then your faith connection will be easily broken by your stronger worldly influences. However, conversely speaking, if you've developed and maintained a deep and a strong concept of God's Word, then fear, doubt, and unbelief will have a hard time breaking your connection with the Lord and making a strong connection with you in life. It's just a matter of what you think about, how much you think about, how deeply you think about it. So, summarizing this, the thing that you focus your mind on, the thing that informs you the most, the thing you study the most, is really the thing that you end up serving. It's what is most real to you. It's what's going to have a greater grasp, a grip on your life, because you have a mental grip on it. 
I love those little interviews you see on TV where they go out to the college campuses and interview these kids. I think one of the best ones I saw recently was where the guy was interviewing two girls in their cap and gown. They had just graduated. And he asked this question. He said, what is capitalism? And it was like the chirping of the crickets. They were like, I really don't know. And then the interviewer said, that is amazing. You just graduated with a business degree. And she said, well, what is cat? You tell me. I don't know. And she wasn't being philosophical. She was being ignorant. She didn't know what it was. So, but, the, but I bet there was a lot of things she was dialed into. There was a lot of stuff she knew. She was focusing. So whatever you intensely think about, that becomes what's real to you. And if, if the Lord is only a belief in your not life, but it's not something you've really made a strong connection in your mind where you've thought about the Word of God, then it's a loose connection at best and can easily be broken. Let me give you a couple of verses that support this idea. Jesus said something really strange in the sixth chapter of John. In fact, it was so strange, a lot of his disciples were very offended, and they literally quit following him when they heard this. Jesus said, John 6 and 56, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides, there's connection, abides in me and I in him. And many of his disciples were so freaked out by the, by the uh, thought of what he was saying that they never, that they quit following him. But Jesus could not find a stronger or a better example to get the point across to them, I am the Word made flesh. And if you only deal with me from the standpoint of beliefs, if you only have a religious relationship with me, then my connection to you can always be usurped and overcome and put aside for the stronger connections that you have with whatever your beliefs and philosophies are that you think about deeply every day. So Jesus was saying, it's not enough to say you believe in me. You need to eat my flesh. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the Word made flesh. So he's trying to get through to them. What I am is something you must eat with your mind, which means you think about the Word of God. You chew on it, you devour it, you digest it, you are energized by it. And you see the difference right away. You see the difference right away between people who have a religious connection with Jesus. Doesn't mean they're not saved. I'm not talking about whether a person's saved or not. I'm talking about on a functioning, practical level. How strong is your connection with Jesus? What fills and informs your mind every day? What do your thoughts think and cogitate on on a daily basis? That is the reality that will guide your life and will, will literally feed your automatic responses to everything in life. Moving on to the next verse, there's one other verse I want to share with you that brings up this idea, and that is out of Hebrews chapter 10, 16 where God said, this is the covenant that I will establish with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts. 
Let me pause for a moment. When God said, I'm going to put my law in your heart, I'm going to put my law in your heart, <clears throat> he is in effect saying, I'm going to install what I am in you. The fruits of the Spirit that I quoted earlier, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, these are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. These are the characteristics of God. We could say these are the characteristics of the laws of God. If you walk in the fruits of the Spirit, it says in Galatians, there is no law against you. It is the law that frees you from all laws. If you walk in the fruit of the Spirit, you walk in perfect balance with God and with His universe. Now, he goes on to say, after he says, I will put my laws in your heart, and he says, I will inscribe them. I will write them on your minds. That's different. God cannot simply impart his thoughts into your mind because the mind is a process, a processor. And so the way God writes his laws in your mind is you have to think about them. You have to consider them. You have to hear and listen. You have to read. And we're talking about the process of meditation. So God does two things when he comes into your life. Jesus installs his character into your life. You are born again. He lives there in you. He forms that connection with you. But then so that you can respond to that connection and understand it and grow in that connection, he says, I want to write my laws on your mind, which means you need to think. You need to think about what my word says about me. And that's where we're getting down to the, to the heart or the meat of this matter this morning. God inscribing his laws in your mind requires the process of meditation. And so I want to take the rest of my time this morning and just encourage you about your life of meditation in the Lord. You need to be a meditating Christian. Now I understand that most people when they hear meditation, or many people, are probably thinking of that, that Eastern religious form of meditation where you're basically diving into the void of your soul and you're pushing out all the thoughts of the world and you're exploring your inner self and you're diving into the cavern of your mind and pushing everything out. But the meditation that the Bible teaches has to do with connection with God. It's not exploring self, it's exploring the Lord. It's exploring Him and then in Him we learn about who we are and we learn it through our relationship with Him. In the Lord's Prayer, or what people have come to call the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, which is really the disciples' prayer, because the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. He didn't say, here's the prayer I want you to say. He said, I want you to craft and build your conversation with the Father around this framework. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 9. 
In the Lord's Prayer or in the Disciples' Prayer, Jesus gives us the best framework for meditation. Because the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer begins with meditation. And so I'm not going to get any farther than the first line. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is a meditation upon our connection. And God wants our prayer life to begin with our focusing, meditating upon our connection with Him. So I'm going to take those two phrases, spend the rest of a few minutes that I've got, and just break that down for you. First of all, Father in heaven. Everyone say, Father in heaven. heaven. Your meditation begins not with self, not with conditions or problems, but with Father in heaven. Now, you may be really focused in on your problems. You may have studied them and can articulate. The phone rings, hey, what's happening? Oh, I'm so glad you called because I've been dying to tell somebody my problems and what's going on. And, oh, man, we're texting those. This is what's happening. We're, we're wanting to talk about it because our, it's in, our mind is intensely focused on it. But that's not where we find connection with God. Our connection is Father in heaven. Oh, I don't know. I don't feel real strong connection there. That's because you don't know much about Father in heaven. You, you need to upgrade and get you an education. You need to meditate. And that's what we're going to do this morning. But let me just say to you, Father in heaven. The opening thought is a meditation. I know it sounds like it's a petition, but before we get to the petition part of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread, before we ever get to the point of asking, which most people think is praying. When people think about praying to God, they think asking God for things, which is wonderful. But you don't get to petition until you have meditated first. That's where you begin. That's your foundation. That's where you center yourself. And let me say, if you do that correctly, you'll spend a lot less time petitioning. Matter of fact, sometimes I never even get to the petition because once I have really thoroughly meditated on my connection, the petition took care of itself. And I've got that ring of victory in my spirit. I know that, that, I know that my Jehovah Rapha, my Jehovah Jireh has already met my needs, see. But let's go ahead and let's lay out that opening thought. Father, Father in, heaven. in heaven. The opening thought is a welcome to heaven. Think about it. Meditate around that. It's dad welcoming you to your home. Father in heaven. What else could it be? My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Dad is sitting upon the throne of heaven and heaven is my home. So the opening thought of the prayer is a welcome home. Welcome home. When I come before the Lord, my opening meditation should be, this is my home. Hallelujah. And regardless of the troubles on earth, my answer's coming from here. Notice how your orientation is completely flipped. It's turned around. Before you prayed, your orientation was deeply focused on your problems and your needs 
and not to minimize those things, but your mind was really taken up with all of that. But the moment you are dad in heaven, the answer comes from there. You begin with the answer. Your focus begins to change. Hallelujah. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We don't use that word hallowed too much anymore except maybe to hallow holy ground. Hallow means holy. To treat as holy. And in the original Greek, what Jesus actually said was, may your name be kept holy. That's an unusual thing to say. Jesus is teaching us how to craft our prayers. So he says, begin by coming home to dad, father in heaven. Then he says, and keep my name holy. What does he mean? Why was that the second thing that he said? Dad in heaven, keep, I must keep your name holy. How do you keep Jesus' name holy? You keep it holy by understanding it, by delving into what it means, by learning the definition of his name. His name is holy because of what it means. If you don't feed your mind on the meaning of the name of Jesus, you're being religious, not acting on a connection. What does our opening text say? Put away the old life and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new nature. How do I put on the new nature? But by being stirred up in my mind. So I keep the name of Jesus holy by taking time to learn what that name means. We really should learn what that name means because all authority and power has been invested in that name. Your salvation is wrapped up in that name. In fact, out of Acts chapter 3, verse 16, when Peter has gone up to the the gate of the temple and the the lame man was there and Peter had said, Silver and gold of I none, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The man sprung to his feet and was healed. Moments afterwards, a happy riot was breaking out. People were excited and praising God and they were starting to praise Peter. And Peter and John said, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't praise us. Be it known to you. And he now is going to explain how that man got healed. And he says in verse 16, Acts 3, and on the basis of faith in Jesus' name, his very name has made this man whom you now see and know whole and strong. That is an amazing statement. He says, through faith in the name of Jesus, Jesus' very name made that man whole. Now, I am not going to take away from that statement. That name of Jesus made the man whole. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Please, we talk about I, I wonder, how do I walk in the faith Peter had? It wasn't Peter's faith that healed him. Yeah. It, gee, out of his own mouth, he said the name of Jesus healed him. The people were, were giving uh, Peter and John credit because they saw the great faith. He said, forget about it. It wasn't our faith. We didn't do anything. Be it known to you that the name of Jesus healed this man. 
Now, God says keep that name holy, which means study it. What does the name of Jesus mean? Why is there power in that name? Why is there authority? To me, it's a little strange that Christians spend years in their life with the Lord and never bother studying why there's authority. What is the name of Jesus? Building within yourself, in your mind, a library of understanding about the authority that is invested in that name. We act too superstitious, like the name of Jesus is magic, but it isn't magic. He was in effect saying, this isn't magic, faith in the name. How can you have faith in a name if you don't understand the distinctiveness of that name? If you don't know why the name of Jesus is significant, how can you have faith in it? That's why many people say, well, in the name of Jesus and nothing happens. In the name of Jesus, nothing happens. Because in their mind when they're saying it, they have a very shallow grasp on what that name means. They don't understand what they're saying because there's no mental connection with their use of the name. There's no power flowing when they say it. Faith cannot move beyond ignorance. You must understand and know what the name of Jesus means. When you say, in the name of Jesus, trust me when I tell you. Or better yet, trust the Word of God when I tell you what the Word of God says, that it is faith in His name that makes people whole. It is faith in His name through which God moves. So for us to have faith in His name, we go right back to that verse in Hebrews. I will put my laws in your heart and I will inscribe. I will write them on your minds. Are you letting God write His thoughts on your mind? You cannot be passive about this and say, sure, Lord, go ahead, write your thoughts on my mind. Because if you don't let him take you to school, you're not letting him write it on your mind. What are you studying? What are you reading? When do you take time to learn what the Word of God says? When do you really train your mind around what the Word of God says? If the name of Jesus is the most important thing in life, if it is the portal of glory, you need to study that more than the TV guide. You need to study that more than Facebook. You need to know that more than the cycle of your bills or the problems that you face in life. Matter of fact, you, it, you would be better off if you were more acquainted with, better versed in studying the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ than you were studying the ins and outs and problems and the strengths and weaknesses of your own marriage. You'd have a better marriage. In fact, you'd have a better life. The more you study Jesus, the more you learn Him, the more real faith is operating in your life. Like I said, your connection to anything in life is based on how intensely you think about it, not whether you believe it or not. Trust me, many people in life do not follow what they believe, they follow what they think about. It's what you think intensely about that governs your actions and movements in life, not what you say you believe in. So, the name of Jesus isn't magic, it's a connection. You must understand it for that door to open and for His giving to become receiving on your part. You receive Jesus 
by understanding our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You can have two people that say that. The first person says, hallowed be thy name, and they have no idea what that means. They're just saying it. Hallowed be thy name. They may understand, maybe in an abstract sense, well, the name of Jesus is holy, but I'm not sure I really understand why that is. And the second person could say the exact same words, addressing God, Father in heaven, Dad, hallowed be thy name. And the moment he says it, bursting upon his mind, are all of these things that he has learned from the Word of God about the name of Jesus and the authority that is in the name of Jesus and all the wonderful characteristics that are in that name. His mind is brimming with a full and robust comprehension of Jesus. When he says, hallowed be thy name, the Lord is saying, you are hallowing my name. You, make, you are keeping the name of the Lord holy by your understanding it. Hallelujah. Amen. And you thought you just came to church. You, you're like, I, look, if I wanted to go to school, I would have paid for this class. When I, uh, when, when I have my meditation time in the Lord, I like to get alone. Best time to do it is, you've got to find your time, but I find that a fresh mind is better than a tired mind. If you're going to have the disciples' prayer and fellowship with God, um, now that doesn't mean beginning of the day or the end of the day, because some people wake up in the first hour, they're still asleep. Some people, at the end of the day, they're wired and they're ready. So whatever it is, it's good to have that fresh mind and I like to just get alone. Sometimes my best times for meditating is walking through the neighborhood. Other times it's when I've got the house to myself and I just lay on the living room floor or go into the room and just kneel beside the bed, sit, whatever it is that you do to immobilize or to just bring yourself to that moment where you're going to focus on the Lord. And then you begin to talk to the Father. Dad, Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Now, I learned many years ago, the, uh, there's, there's maybe more than that, but I know of, most people are aware, there's eight in the Old Testament compound covenant names of God. Most people have either heard these if, uh, or even maybe learned them. Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Mekadesh, Jehovah Rapha. The word Jehovah means Lord. And the first one I'll share with you is Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord is my righteousness. So when I say to the Lord, I'm meditating on Him, and by the way, <clears throat> meditation ought to be coupled with speaking out of your mouth. Even if it's quietly muttering, it's important that you use your mind and your tongue. The two most powerful parts of your life are your mind and your tongue. And you get those hooked up together and operating together, you are the most powerful prophet you'll ever hear. You're the best preacher you'll ever listen to. If you begin to learn to speak truth out of your own mouth, your own ears will hear that truth. There's something significant. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So don't wait until you come into church. You need to be preaching the truth to yourself. And so I might be walking, let's say, through the neighborhood, and I open up my meditation time, Lord, Father in heaven, there I am with you, seated with you in heavenly places. Hallowed be your name, Lord Jesus. I realize 
that all those Old Testament descriptions of God, because those were descriptive names, they weren't proper names. For example, I could say of Chris Dunn, you know that guy who plays the keyboards who's really smart, really smart, Chris the really smart. And so, you know, in the journals there may be that comment about Chris the really smart one, but that's not his name, his name is Chris. So when we refer to God as Jehovah Sid Canoe, it's a descriptive title, it's not a proper name. But all of those Old Testament descriptive names are distilled down to the one name, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is where all those names consolidate and come together and find their manifestation. So when I'm saying, Lord, hallowed be your name, the first thing I might think about is, Lord, you are Jehovah Makedesh, or you are Jehovah Sid Canoe, which means the Lord is my righteousness. And immediately, because I've bothered to study righteousness in the, in the Bible, I realize that Jesus has freed me from the curse of the law. I no longer have to be afraid that I am guilty and condemned under the law. He died to satisfy the law and offered me, through His grace, His own right standing with the Father. So when I say, Lord Jesus, I hallow your name, my mind immediately thinks about the fact that I have inherited his right standing with the Father. There's, a, there's part of a complex thought of why his name is holy. His name is holy because it gives me the authority to stand before the Father in the same relationship that Jesus stands before the Father with. Wow! It just, my mind just starts popping when I think about it. Hallelujah. And then I'll go on and say, Lord Jesus, you are Jehovah Mekadesh. Now I'm still in the first phrase. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord Jesus, I worship you. You are Jehovah Mekadesh. Jehovah Mekadesh means the Lord is my sanctifier. He blots out every stain as though I never committed it. When I come before him and I'm concerned, boy, did I blow it this week, oh, did I do this, and, and those feelings of guilt are there, Lord, you, through your blood, have blotted out. I cannot wash myself, but you blotted every stain out and have made me clean before you. Then I might go on and say, Jesus, you are Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I, which means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. That name occurred in the Old Testament when Moses was on the mountain and Joshua was leading the armies of God in a battle against the Amalekites and they were being beaten by the enemy. And Je Moses, old Moses, was tired and he sat down upon a stone. He, was lift he lifted up his hands and when he lifted up his hands to praise the Lord, Joshua and the Israelites started beating the Amalekites. But then he got tired and his hands went down and the Amalekites started beating the Israelites. And then he just lifted up his hands again and the Amalekites started getting beaten by the Israelites. So his two assistants, Aaron and Hur, said, let's hold the man's hands up. He's tired, let's help him. We could see that he's got some kind of radar. He's sort of tuned in. And whenever those hands go up, the battle goes our way. Well, when he was lifting those hands, he was praising the Lord. He was worshiping God. So there they are fighting, viciously, ferociously, fighting in the valley. And up on the mountain, there's the old, the old boy, and he's got his hands up praising the Lord. 
So at the end of the battle, they finally let go of his hands. The Amalekites have been wiped out. And Moses erects an altar, the Bible says, in Exodus 17 and 15. He built an altar and he called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Why? Because Moses was saying, when I lift up the Lord with praise, he fills that praise with the banner of his victory over me. His love, his banner over me is love. Hallelujah. Now, if you in your connection with the Lord never bother to acknowledge that, never think about it, never speak it, never say it, is that connection doing you any good? He loves you. He's provided the victory for you, but you're not receiving it. You're blunting what he wants to do. So to have a connection with the Lord that actually is producing something, you have to interact with him. And so, Lord, I praise you. You are Jehovah Nisi. Jesus, you are my banner. What about Jehovah Shalom? Everyone knows what Shalom means. Peace. The Lord is my peace. And Gideon one day is confronted by the angel of the Lord and it freaks him out because in the ancient days, the ancient Israelites used to believe traditionally that if you, were, if you saw God, if you were faced with the angel of the Lord, you would die. So God's just showed up and talked to him as the angel of the Lord. And uh, Gideon is afraid that he's going to die. And the Bible says that the angel spoke to him. And he, by the way, he says to the angel, Oh Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, shalom, be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar right there to the Lord, and he called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Why is this significant? Why does this represent the name of Jesus? It's significant because Jesus is saying, if you're afraid of confronting God, because of your imperfections. Do not be afraid. I come to you in peace. God came to me in peace. That is the reason I can have peace. Jesus is God coming to me in peace. And in the Hebrew, the word shalom means so much more than just the cessation of hostilities. It literally means to be blessed and to be favored. So when I praise my Jesus, I'm saying, Jesus, you have come to me in peace. You are indeed the eternal I am, the Father who comes to me in peace. And so now I am meditating on my connection to the Lord. And already I figured he's given me his righteousness. He's cleansed and blotted out my sins. He has come to me as my banner of victory and he has come to me in peace. There's a couple of others. I'll mention them quickly. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. Hallelujah. And so, when I come to God for healing, healing is not a possibility. Healing is a person. Let me say it again. You're not trying to have faith in the possibility that you might be healed. Your healing is a person named Jesus. I said your healing is a person named Jesus. Jehovah Rapha is the name of Jesus, the Lord, my healer. Hallelujah. So I'm not coming to God trying to cook up the possibility of a healing, using my faith to, to build a healing. Jesus, the great physician, 
in his death on the cross and resurrection, obliterated all that causes disease and rose up as our healer. So I can receive who he is for me. He is my healer. Healing is not a possibility. It's the person of Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Abraham takes his son up on Mount Moriah and he offers Isaac up to the Lord. Hallelujah. But before he sacrifices him, the Lord stops him and says, Now I know that you really believe me. Hallelujah. And he looks around and the angel of the Lord said, There's an offering. And there was a ram stuck in the thicket. And he offers the ram to the Lord, which was a symbol of Jesus. Oftentimes, the Lord is looking for our obedience, our willingness. But he has provided himself as our offering. Thank God we didn't have to chop our life up into bits. Thank God we didn't have to empty everything and give absolutely everything. The Lord says, I'm looking for the willingness. I have actually given myself on your behalf. And so when that happened, he built an altar, took his son off the altar. He erected an altar and he worshiped the Lord and he called that altar Jehovah Jireh, which literally means in the mountain of the Lord the provision will be seen. When we walk that walk of willingness and come before the Lord in obedience as Abraham did, that's when the provision of God is ours. So we thank God, hallelujah, that I know, I know that the pattern of love and grace that was manifested in Jesus is what makes me certain of my provision. Can you tell me anybody who came to Jesus that he turned away? The Bible says he healed all that came to him. He met the needs he provided. My provider. Hallelujah. Peter comes to him and says, oh man, the tax bill, I just got it. Uh, this is due like right now. And, um, you know, Peter could have thought, the Lord could have said, well, <clears throat> you need to go back to fishing. To meet this need, he said, you know, it's going to take some time. Interest is going to accrue. And uh, by the time we get around to paying it, it may take a week or two before I get the paycheck. He said, I got a better idea. Go and just catch one fish. Just pull one fish out. And uh, there will be the tax money. Just get it out of your mouth. By the time the sun went down, taxes were paid. And you see that the Lord is your provider. And he could circumvene all of the different things that oftentimes provide hindrances to our provision. He is our provider. Jehovah Rohi, yeah. the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I, I'm at that point in my prayer where I'm saying, Lord, you're my everything, my provider, my healer, the banner over me. And Lord, I worship you. I'm not afraid to follow you because I know, I know, hallelujah, that you have conquered death. I know that you have conquered all things. You have triumphed over sin and over Satan. I'm not afraid to follow you. When I follow you, I'm following in the footsteps of victory. And finally, Jehovah Shammah means literally the Lord is present. Jesus is with me now and forevermore. Now you can see just by learning what the Bible teaches about the name of Jesus. You'll never say that name again without having a robust understanding. 
But you need to study these things and refresh them in your mind. Focus your mind on them. Bother to know them. Let your mind become rich in renewed in the knowledge of the name of Jesus. And now we just talked about the name of Jesus. There are tons of uh, uh, things of God concerning faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're all there inviting you to learn them and to focus on them and to allow them to become real in your mind so that you have a rich imagination, a rich handle, if you will, on God's word. And as you are renewed in the spirit of your mind, you will put on that new man. So this morning, we're talking about building a strong connection. Jesus is there leaning into you with his giving nature. Are you receiving? Receiving on your part. Dial that radio in. Let that signal come. How can you dial your mind in? You dial it in by learning what God has put before you to learn. Get into that word and learn. Your faith will grow. You'll hear the Lord speaking to you. Your connection to Jesus will become strong. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning. Well, I heard that the house gatherings went really well this week. I'm a huge fan of them, obviously. I believe that we've got a good start. I would like to promote them. It's things like that, as well as your own study. Find some good Bible-based devotionals. Take 10, 15 minutes in the early part of your day. Begin your day with your mind on Jesus. Isaiah said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed upon you. Why? Because our God is a God of connection, not of religion, not of magic, of connection. He wants you to have that open connection with him. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. Would you lift your hands with me? May the Lord cause his blessing to be upon you. May his countenance arise from within your heart and refresh you. May you be led forth with peace and he guide your steps in this week. May the passion and the love of the Lord Jesus so burn in your heart that you pursue him above everything this week. Be blessed of God, be filled, hallelujah, and be a blessing as you go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.